One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Merry Christmas and welcome to Old Brother, a podcast about Salford slash Manchester's legendary musical institution, The Fall. Now, as you'll hear in a minute, it's probably just Manchester. You can find us at Spotify, Apple and all usual suspects, but we're hosted at play.acast.com forward slash s forward slash Old Brother. All the episodes are also available on YouTube. You can search for Old Brother Podcasts and subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Our Christmas special this year is a Q&A with the inestimable Danny No. The Indiana Jones of Obscure Fall Rated Facts who despite his best efforts, singularly fails to unearth any new information. Still, God loves a try Hope you enjoy it. Right, here we are. Christmas 2022 made it. The Christmas edition of Old Brother. With me, Paul Hamlet, and my esteemed brother, Stephen. Good evening, Steve. You all right? Hello, good evening. Yeah, I'm all right. Merry Christmas. Yeah, all the best. <laughs> yes. For those avid followers at home who've uh, listened to wrapped with rapt attention to every episode, this is the Christmas episode. And as if you've heard any of those, these have even less structure or make less sense than any of the other episodes, which is some takes some doing. Well, we, are, we, have, we have only done one though well, before. Oh, we've done two. Done two. What was the What was the first it was one? Just me. It was just me and you, I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I got to see you've done your research anyway. So that's good. <laughs> Right, so we're joined today. If we decided we were going to have some kind of a quiz with uh, somebody testing our knowledge of the fall, and there is only one candidate for that, really. Yeah. Uh, known to millions as Danny Knoll on the fall uh, website and the, the annotated fall and everywhere else. Uh, if you say you had size 11 feet, Dan will correct you and say, actually, I think you'll find at that time you had size 10 and a half. He knows more about, he's forgotten more about the fall than I'll ever know. So, good afternoon, Dan. How are you? Uh, afternoon. I'm fine, thanks. Yeah, known to dozens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'll say that. <laughs> right. So we decided that we have been given some stick for not, uh, including by yeah. the person who's joining us today, for not doing our research when we talk about certain topics. So we decided what we would do is we would ask Dan to test our knowledge of the fall and see how we get. Now, there's going to be some fairly big gaps in knowledge here. If not, I hope there's no gaps in the conversation, but there will definitely be gaps in knowledge. But I'm sure Dan can put us right up. Right, okay, without further ado, Dan, off you go. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, this isn't in the easiest thing to do because I, I I had to compromise between throwing lots of questions at you where the answer is going to be can't remember and don't know, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> just yeah. be an hour of conversational dead ends. So I, I've I've got some kind of general <laughs> questions, uh, got some general okay, questions yeah. I mean, that I'm interested in, and and some and some more precise questions where maybe right. you'll know and maybe you won't. So we'll no, see. Whatever happens, happens. We're yeah. here to chat. We don't care. Yeah. <laughs> no. We'll see how we go. We'll see how we go. Okay. <laughs> 
Could I, just to, just to start with a, a bit um, of geography first of all, because you you always start these podcasts, Paul, with by describing the fall as a Salford slash Manchester band. Yes, and I wondered why you describe it that way. Why why Salford slash Manchester? That's a good question now because Mark always tried to maintain he was from Salford, but yeah, he, he wasn't. He, he was born in Manchester, wasn't he? Well, he was born in Manchester, lived in Presswich, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but didn't he move? Didn't where he was born move from Salford to Manchester at some point? Oh, uh, well, possibly in the distant past, yeah. But his parents were from Salford, weren't they? So I think his he... His parents were from Salford, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, he yeah. got himself from Salford, so that's why. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's all... It's kind of... Top court sort of grew during that Manchester thing, didn't he? Where he wanted yeah. to stay away from all that and didn't want to be associated with <laughs> Manchester bands. Yeah. So he started staying. He was from Salford more. Mm. I, I was I was going to ask you about that because um, he did often, not always, say that he didn't consider the fall of Manchester band. But um, and, and it was just interesting whether that mattered to you as well because you, you you were kind of well. You I know um, Steve. You were born in. Dublin, weren't you? And um, yeah, but uh, I lived in Manchester. Sorry, I missed that. I've lived in Manchester all my life, practically. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I always thought it was a Manchester band, or thought of the fall as a Manchester band. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's interesting to me because it's um, uh, it's kind of like describing yourself as a Manchester band is. It puts you in a particular place, doesn't it? And at certain times, it's it's meant certain things. Yeah, I remember when I was at university, sort of starting eighty nine. There were a couple of people on my course who left to go to Manchester. I was in Birmingham, and they left to go to Manchester specifically to connect up with all everything that was happening around then. It's quite interesting. Well, I mean, you know, it has got something of a tradition of music, Manchester. Um, so, I mean, you've got what you've got. To, what I always say is you've got what Mark said in interviews and what he actually thought. They're not always the same thing. So mm. you get an interview with Mark and he'll say, oh, the, the, the people in Liverpool always got the fall better than people in Manchester, which is categorically not true, is it? I mean, people in Liverpool <laughs> like the fall, but yeah. you know, he, he was never, he, he just, <laughs> some of the time things he said in conversations are just to be interested, I think, which, you know, and, and thank God he was because, you know, interviews can be dull affairs, but they were never were with Mark, were they? <laughs> well, I, I always considered you, you, so we oh, generally we all lived in South Manchester, didn't we? Me, you, Mark, Riley, and uh, and you travel to Presswich, but you'd, you'd so you were, I always thought you just basically go to North Manchester. Yeah, you going well, through Cheetah Mill. Yeah, you're going through Cheetah Mill, and then you're there, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why. But as I say, it's it's, it's just one of them things where he, if everybody wants to be from Manchester, Mark wants to be from Salford. He doesn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if everybody wants to be from Greater Manchester, Mark will move to Edinburgh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the, the contrariness of it, isn't it? That's what You're it right. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you, know, you were talking about Liverpool there, and and I, the full. Uh, I think in your time as well, played Eric's quite a lot um, before yeah. it closed, whenever that was. And um, uh, did, did and I know that um, people like Julian Cope and Ian McCulloch and that um, kind of came out of that period. Um, did, did you feel a lot of kinship with the kind of Liverpool bands at the time, particularly? Well, I, I, I think Eric's was just, I think the last Eric's gigs were just before I joined, I think. Did it change its name to Brady's or something, Steve? It did, yeah. Yeah, it did, yeah. It did. Yeah. So I played yeah. there. I mean, it was, it was ostensibly the same club. But yeah, I think, I think we did, actually, because um, Ian and Julian Colt were sort of, well, inverted commas, roadies, weren't they, before you, Steve? Or was it the, was it the same time as you? Yeah, it was just, just before me. And and a couple a couple of gigs just when when I joined, yeah, they were around. But yeah, and I never saw them lifting. <laughs> so I'm left the screwdriver. <laughs> but no, I mean, with Will and uh, the, we used to hang round, didn't we? Yeah, we would like travel to see the fall and hang about and talk to Mark. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and. Uh, Oh, yeah. Past us to talk to Mark, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then 
and then sort of graduated to supporting us. Yeah. Well, I saw a great echo in the Bunnymen support the fall at um, the factory. With and then that was before yeah. we had before they had Peter Freyce, they were still the, the drum machine. Mm. Uh, and there was some hoo ha about um, Ian McCullough locked the dressing room door because he was doing his air and nobody could get in. That's, if I recall, is that true? Did you remember that? I don't remember that now. <laughs> well, I, I can imagine it's true. I would imagine it may be true, but <laughs> <laughs> well, no, they were amazing. But, I mean, yeah, they were, they were, without even you know, but, I mean, Peter Face was an absolutely brilliant drummer. I mean, genius yeah, guy, was. Drummer, but uh, even with yeah. even with just a, the little drum machine, they were a fantastic band. Yeah, yeah. And of course, um, Reddit in books is complete lift of stepping out, isn't it? Oh, uh, well, um, Julian Cope. Uh, there's some live clips of him on YouTube playing that. Uh, kind of um, stepping out and then going into Reddit in books and kind of doing a bit of a, a chat about it at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So he owns up to it. Yeah, well, I mean, there's very little room for taking the model eye ground there. I mean, old music's ripped off, isn't it? Let's face it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's nothing new out there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do you, um, Stephen Paul, do you have quite similar musical tastes or are they quite different? In some uh, Paul, I know you're a big Beatles fan, and yeah, I think that's, that's probably similar. If you're talking about the you know the the Holy Grail stuff, so the Stooges and you know yeah. Bowie and all that, that's all the same, you know. But I mean, you have to fill the form in when you join the fall to say you like that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, pretty much. But I think I'm a bit more '60s Beatles than Steve is. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, but, uh, but yeah, yeah paths paths do cross a lot, don't they? We do cross a lot, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think you, you, I, I, I've listened to very little new music now. I'm, I've got to, I'm, I'm, which, is, which is shameful, really. I mean, you know, but um, I find it very difficult to listen to new bands because I'm because I'm an old fart, basically. I'm probably, like, this sounds just like X, Y, and Z every time, which is a terrible way to be, and it's, it's not something uh, I'm particularly proud of. Yeah. Well, I, I, there's never been a time when you wouldn't think that about. Music, there, well, the Beatles are ripping off bloody lead belly. And the yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, so it's just, it's just, um, you get to a point where it, it's harder to excite you, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Well, well, what used to excite you does not. I know somewhere you could write a song, couldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> so, who's winning this quiz so far, Dan? <laughs> yeah, it's not much of, I, what, I, I wanted to ask you as well about the Can Club. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Because um, uh, we we you you, re- you mentioned it a few times, Steve, in your book, and um, yeah. Uh, but it, there's not much said about it anywhere else. And um, what from about what 1980 September 1980? I'm just interested who played and how long did it go on for, and what was the thinking behind it, and who who was involved. And well, it, it was this club that we all used to go to called the Cypress Tavern, and a lot of bands yeah. used to go to. And it was open late, and you did see Mick Hucknell in there, and other bands and and they had this really nice room downstairs and me Mark, I'm sure it was Mark's idea I'm sure it was but uh, and me Mark and Craig decided to put bands on there so we had let's see who did we have we had was the trouble trouble with it was we ran out of bands that we could all agree on <laughs> fairly quick fairly quickly that we all liked and wanted to put on. We had... Orange juice, obviously. We had orange juice on, yeah, early on. And James we had on. Uh, James, James was the first gig with uh, Tim singing. Yeah. They had, well, we had, a, we had um, a girl singer, and James was like the sort of... stood at the, the sort of backing vocals slash bass figure. Yeah. That is that when they were known as, what is it, Model Team International? Model Team International at the time, yeah. Yeah, they had to they had to change the name. They were called Model Team International because I think somebody, the one of the girlfriends, worked at this Model Team International, which was obviously a modelling agency, and they had free know. t-shirts. So they called themselves that, and they had, then they had free t-shirts for the band. But they, I think they got hit with a cease and desist fairly quickly from Model, <laughs> actual model Team International. <laughs> yeah, um, it was just that really. It was just sort of a group of mates putting bands on. Yeah. Uh, who else was on? Hamsters were on. Frantic elevators. Yeah, we had the things on a lot. 
Well, the frantic elevators and the, the, the themes were on. Yeah, with uh, John Marr. With John Marr. Yeah. Um, the Freshies were on. Yeah, yeah. I think that was the... Uh, that was the one that broke it, I think, because I don't think Craig liked him at all. <laughs> <laughs> he took his ball home at that point. Yeah. What put the ball on? Oh, I say we, it was nothing to do with me. I, I, they, they had me working the door a couple of times. But wow. Put the ball on. Right, right. Yeah. 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 Oh, that, it's that one. Right, okay. Yeah, we did two yeah. nights. One upstairs. I was in the band then, so it was one upstairs and one downstairs. We did two nights on the band. Ah, mm. that's that. Okay, yeah, yeah. It was good. It was just the, like that, just mates hanging out and trying to put bands yeah. on that we liked. Yeah. But it didn't, it didn't carry on for that long then. Well, then, yeah, there was that. There was the disagreement on uh, who to put on and we didn't really agree. And then we started touring and it all sort of started touring pretty heavily just after that and it all had to... Take a back seat. And the other good bands on, and I can't. Uh, we've only named three so far. There must have been more than that. Well, so we put a line of PLA on, didn't we? Yeah. Uh-huh. In the passage play, no? Was I did a dream that passage did play? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they were a laugh, weren't they? The passage. <laughs> I've got the, the not sensibles written down here as someone who played. Oh, yes, right. Oh, yeah, there's a. Well, no, I don't think Craig was the biggest not sensibles fan in the world, do you? I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What was it? Did they have a particular hit? The not sensibles did. Oh, I know. Well, they they weren't Iggy Pop's jacket, were they? <laughs> who was that? <laughs> I think they might have been, yeah. Biggie Pops jacket. I'm not, I'm not familiar with them at all. Oh, no, that was those naughty lumps. That's a different band altogether. Oh, Never had them on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> not sensible. So if you put a gun to my head and said, name a not sensible song, we would be picking my brains off the carpet. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I'm in love with Margaret Thatcher. No, oh. apparently. Oh, that sounds right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm. Who's this? Yeah. P- put them on. <laughs> <laughs> Whose idea was that? I don't think they meant it. No, I know that. I didn't mean that. I just went. <laughs> how did they become come on the radar to get a gig at the Can Club? I have no idea. No idea how that worked. <laughs> okay, he's probably making it up. Probably spot the uh, deliberate lie. I mean, look, look, I could build this up that it was a forerunner of the Hacienda here. Eh? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. They nicked all our ideas. Yeah, yeah. And the name <laughs> of that young man? Alan Erasmus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I said to this bloke in the toilet, someone should do this at a better venue. <laughs> 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 Moving on, shall we move on from that? Netherlands tour, June 1980, which is the one you had to sit out, Paul, I think. One of the ones oh, I had to sit out. One of the, um, you didn't have much luck with the Netherlands. Oh, you? Or, or the United States. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, I, th- I think a previous of uh, one of your podcasts, it was described as a disastrous tour. Um, because I, perhaps because it, it all seemed to be booked at the last minute, and I, w- I was trying to look at how many gigs were played. Um, and Steve Davies said that there were eleven mm. gigs in fourteen days, but we the, the world only knows about four of them that are documented. And I just wondered if you remember yeah. anything else at all about them. <laughs> and then there was a, an ICA gig in London after it. I remember the ICA gig. Aha. Uh-huh. Peter yeah. Purvis was there. Yeah, this, 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 yes. this, that, that's the point that's caused a lot of discussion. <laughs> I knew that one. But anyway, back to Steve Davis. I was I was delighted when they got Steve Davis in. I mean, God bless him. He was he wasn't bad on the congas, but he was a terrible drummer. Yeah, yeah. And then I thought, oh, that's happy days. That. And then when they said we're getting somebody else in to do the American tour, all right, who's that? Carl Burns, the greatest fucking drummer in the world. That wasn't quite the same. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't quite the same sense of relief for oil. No, I don't think we did eleven gigs in fourteen days. I don't. Yeah. We maybe did seven or eight. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. 
There's, so there's nothing on there about any. We only know four of them. I've found a couple. There's, there's only there's only four. Right. Go on. So what, what were they? Amsterdam, presumably. Rotterdam. Uh, yeah, Rotterdam, Eindhoven. Uh, I'm not sure the pronunciation. Yeah. Nijmegen. Not sure how you pronounce it. And Volbo. Nijmegen. Yeah. Nijmegen. Yeah. yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. It can't have been four, though, can it? They wouldn't have gone like, just, just, just to do four, sure. I think it's it, it about six or seven in a, yeah. in a couple of weeks. They did, I do seem to remember sitting around a lot in some squat in Amsterdam a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that could be any number of years, couldn't it, let's face it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and then the, the following year... Um, I think, Paul, you did make it to the Netherlands. I did, in- yeah. We seem to be in, in, in Holland every five minutes. From, if I think back to the fall, I think uh, we seem to be there yeah. every other bloody month. I mean, I'm sure we weren't. But. Uh, yeah. Well, they, had, they did have that really good setup, didn't they, with all them sort of venues. Just, yeah. They all, all seem to be, like, subsidised. And-, yeah, and it's not that big a place either, is it? So you could get to everywhere fairly. Yeah. There yeah. seem to be a lot of youth clubs and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there seems to be. A- it was a great idea that mm. you know they'd have these little clubs on the outside of town that were subsidised by the government, and so obviously they could attract bands and pay fees, and and you know, everyone could go there and be out, you know, see a gig, a cheap gig, and yeah. Yeah, no, it's a great idea. Yeah. Do, yeah. Do, do you remember what the problem was about going from the Netherlands to Belgium and then into Germany? And then back again. That year. It was a Carnet thing, was it? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Do you know, Steve? I have no idea until I'm trying to. So you go for, go for Belgium. So Holland to Belgium. Yeah. And then Belgium to Germany. Uh, well, Holland to Belgium, back to the Netherlands for Groningen, wherever you pronounce that, then into Germany. Uh, but there was a problem about get, then getting back into the Netherlands, apparently, because it wasn't realised that uh, Groningen wasn't in Germany. <laughs> <laughs> there were visa problems, apparently. Right. Well, so what year was this? Then? Was it this 81? 81. So I might have been gone by then anyway, because I, ah. I missed the end of that tour. Yeah. Because uh, that was, was that the tour we did, me and Carl did alternate nights, presumably. Yes, that's right, yeah. 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 I, I bugged yeah. off just before they went to Berlin. Ah, right. So, and did I, you? Passed me back. Yeah, I did, yeah, I did. One year, you know, it must have been a wrench, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> How did you get on? Uh, me and um, God, I got the, the bolt. Me and um, who was driving for us? Was it um, the guy out of Smack? The singer out of Smack was driving for us. Do you remember him? Right. Well, yeah. His, his missus was on the tour, and me and her got the bolt back uh, because I think I, I think I had um, I think I had uh, me. I was eighty one. I can't have had. A, I must maybe I had my end of year exams at college or something. But there was a. I definitely definitely came back early. Oh. Sorry, I couldn't. I couldn't play in Berlin. They wouldn't let me play because I was only seventeen or whatever. Um, yeah, I couldn't get a visa to go into work Berlin to play, so I um, came home. And then they did Berlin. Yeah. Uh, front page in, interviewing the melody maker with about fifteen pictures of Carl and no mention of me. <laughs> Bastards! <laughs> I tell you, Christ! <laughs> I haven't been gone five minutes. Not that it's a sore yeah. point. <laughs> Apparently, the final gig has to be. Put- <laughs> you've let it go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to forgive you. Apparently the final gig had to be played with borrowed equipment. But... Well, we borrowed a lot of equipment to go to tour. Yeah. Europe anyway, not a lot of the time. You, ah, okay. you didn't take a drum kit with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. I, I believe Mike Lee always insisted on taking his drum kit. He even took his drum kit to America. Wow. Because his, his was slightly different because he had like um, proper animal skin skins and it was like a sort of old 60s kit so he wouldn't play just any kit but I, I never got afforded the same uh, I mean yeah, to be honest my kit I was glad of anybody's kit it was anybody's was always going to be better than mine so yeah. I was quite happy to use body gear I mean I've no idea you know what it clearly what it's like touring with drums but uh, yeah it's kind of putting them in a van and driving around the Netherlands yeah. so if I ever come back oh, as a God, yeah. if I'm ever in I'm coming back as a penny whistle player 
Try it with try it with two kits. Uh, fucking hell. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was a joy, wasn't it, Steve? It's the you know the best years of your life. <laughs> Who do that again? Who do that again? You think we can learn what Jesus Christ? <laughs> I'm, hoping, I'm hoping I've never played uh, a gig with Simon where we both are, well I, we are, I have done one but uh, but uh, I'm hoping he takes more of an interest in taking his kit down than Carl used to let's put it that way <laughs> not doing it <laughs> all that now. I'm, I'm looking forward to all that it's um but it's it. My next question is about um, jumper clown. Oh. So, which obviously was um, Mark Riley's. I don't know if it was his first single, but one of his first singles. It was not his first single. His first single was Favourite Sister featuring wow. yeah. Mr. Craig Scott and Mr. Stephen Ollie, Mr. Paul Ollie. Yeah. yeah. So the, the credits on that, is that the one where the – or am I getting mixed up with something else? The credits on something like Swing and Cog Sinister, what, what's that? I've got a note down here with something about that. Swing? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, um, oh, maybe that's an Andrew Berry thing. I've got a question about Andrew Berry later on. All right, okay. We'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, you you um, played on some of that. But um, is is it is it true that the the basic tune for Jumper Clown was was originally performed by the Fall when riding? It was. was. Yeah. The keyboard riff on Jumper Clown yeah. is what Mark used to play on the Manager Expanded. Ah, yeah, yeah. Is there no tape of that out there? There must be. There must be a version of the Manager Expanded with the jumper clown riff on. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was played as an intro for a bit, I think. But yes, it was. Yeah, I'm mixed yeah. up. That, that's right, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think so. <laughs> you can see it first, can't you? Yeah, it's a shame we didn't make it onto the single. <laughs> Really? <laughs> <laughs> a recording six yeah. for a keyboard riff, isn't it? That. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, am I there? Am I, am I wrong? I think you might be right. But, uh... No, I think I think I'm right. I think I'm right because I think that. But I, but didn't they, they, I think they even did that. There's a with Martin when Martin was still in the band. They did that. I think. Oh. Riff. Oh right. It was an intro for a while. What it called? Fuck nose or something? Yes, it was. Oh. It was. Oh, that's new. Mark, Mark said, what do you, Mark Smith said to Mark, Mark Riley, what do you want to call it? And he said, fuck knows. And then that's what got Riley <laughs> <laughs> That's a working title. I think that's the same riff as Manager Expanded. I, I, might be, I might be wrong, but it was definitely a fall riff. Let's put it that way. Uh, but it does fit, I think. I'm glad we're getting all this cleared up, Dan. Yeah, yeah. Man. Yeah, well, it's a long list of questions that I need to hear. My memory of that is that, if, you know, obviously when Mark went, Mark Riley, and Mark Mark Smith's, like, sitting us all down and going, like, don't worry about Mark, we'll look after him, we'll look after him, you know, we'll make sure he's all right. Yeah. Don't worry, Mark will be fine. Don't worry, he'll be fine. And then when he found out we played on Mark's first recordings, he's like... I'm not fucking buying you strings so you can play with someone else. Fucking oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it didn't last long, did it? We're looking after it. No, no. That goodwill didn't last long, no. It didn't last oh, so long, no. No, there, there was that um, hey, hey Mark Riley song, wasn't there, later on? Oh, oh man. man. I, 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 yeah. I, I, I took some turns all every time I think of that, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. 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 No. Well. No. Uh, uh, I'll move on to happier times then. Yeah, move on, yeah. <laughs> uh, in- English scheme, uh, the starting point for which was that tape of Birdsong and an ice cream van and-, and Mark Riley inverted the sound of the ice cream van. But what was the tune right. of the ice cream van? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Would it be? There's a standard set, isn't there, of ice cream van tunes? Yeah. It's not green sleeves. No, it's not green sleeves, is it? 
I wondered if it was, yeah. <laughs> Might be <laughs> slaves. <laughs> could be, could be. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't the most accurate transcription of all time, I don't think. Well, it didn't have to be. Yeah. You think you think it might have been green sleeve? Because yeah, there's there's like a handful of common ice cream van tunes yeah, yeah. we'll play. But. Yeah. Well, the one that comes on here now, which including in the last week, the ice cream man play, is playing the Thunderbirds theme, which I think is a bit weird for an ice cream man, but <laughs> ice cream round in December man round in December playing Thunderbirds theme. Wow. <laughs> he's he's selling something else. Yeah. <laughs> we've got whole tours here whether we can't remember we can't can't remember who was in the band but we're supposed to remember the bleeding riff the ice cream man last night you can kind of vaguely hear it I think but it's too difficult for me to hear I don't have those kind of ears you know okay well I'll I'll do what Steve did I'll I'll say some vague conjecture and portray it as fact you know like in this book so it was 100% green sleeves Thank <laughs> you. I'm only joking. It's funny because it's true. <laughs> the, in the North will rise again, right? Where, where he's got his little yeah. fantasy of English scheme being played on Junior Choice, right? Yeah. Uh, and he says mm-hmm. the, the lyric talks about it being played on the grand piano and was turned into a love song. So I wondered if on Junior Choice there'd been green sleeves played on a piano or something, and he, he was basing on kind of some something real that happened. Because quite a lot in that song, you're spending too, too, too much. You're spending too much time thinking about the fall, don't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah well, you, you need to take a break. Go walk no. around the block, smell some flowers. <laughs> it's too late for that now. <laughs> I always think it would be a good idea to attempt to rewrite English Scheme as a love song on the grand piano. It'd be good to do that, wouldn't it? Yeah. How they did it, I don't know, but it would be good. <laughs> <laughs> I had the, uh, this big theory about it being green sleeves or something. That, then it would make sense. Uh, you never played green sleeves on Junior Choice. It was all three wheels on my wagon. And then uh, <laughs> yeah. we'll playing green sleeves. You know, because there's nothing, there's nothing the seven or eight year olds of this country like more after they've just heard My Brother by uh, Terry Scott. Oh, now, now here's green sleeves played by the BBC Philharmonic Orchestra. <laughs> they used to play some weird stuff on those programs. Sparky's Magic Piano. Was <laughs> it Bernard Cribbins and all? Oh, God. Oh. Yeah. No. Okay. Shoepot, wasn't it? Shoepot used to introduce yeah. it. Or Tony yeah. Blackburn did for a bit with that dog. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Bernard Cribbins was up. They used to play Right Said Fred, didn't they? So, yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. He did. Yeah, he definitely did. Right, moving on from that, then. Um, WMC Blob Fifty Nine. What is Blob Fifty Nine? Well, a blob, yeah, is the hot wine they used to sell in Yates's. Right. Yes, I was going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Fifty Nine is. Yeah. How much it was? 59 pence? I don't know. Well, it's a bit dear back then, wasn't it? 59 pence. <laughs> I mean, that's since... Well, I don't know. Since you became Blob 59, I've spent a lot of time wondering who and what the hell was the crime. I mean, I have no idea. I mean, I don't know why the, where the, the Yates' Blob fits in there, but that's yeah. the only Blob I'm aware of. Then Mark and Kay did used to go there though, didn't they? And have that, yeah. Which kind of the one in Manchester near? I might be, I might be reaching here. Yeah. Were they not numbered? Were they not the drinks they sold in Yates is not numbered? So maybe the blob was number fifty-nine, possibly. Hmm? Oh, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they used to have numbers by them, so you could order your drinks by. I'll have a. 59 or whatever, 60, whatever. Because obviously well, that, Blob yeah. was a colloquial name for it, wasn't it? I'm sure that's not the official name. Yeah, right, right. No. I mean, if it is, the marketing board needs to have a word, don't they? What are we going to call this drink? A Blob. <laughs> <laughs> There's a research project in that one, I think. Yeah, yeah. Hours, <laughs> hours. There we are. <laughs> so, yes, Blob 59 is about the drink from, it's the number of the uh, ordering one in Yates' Wine Lodge. 
That's not a fact. Until you prove wrong, yeah. Yeah. I shall be off to the library and look that one up. Don't doubt it, Dan. Don't doubt it for a moment. Slates. Is it an album? Yes. Move on. Next question. <laughs> well, uh, there is a question. You could get into this because it was in the uh, yeah. singles chart, wasn't it? It was. In the yeah. singles chart. Yeah. Well, it, it's one of those things where it was designed not to get into some of the charts and, and as yeah. a deliberate kind of um, messing about kind of thing, wasn't it? Yeah. But that doesn't mean you can't consider it whatever you want to consider it, really. Yeah. That's no. I, I think it was more more the thing of we went in there. We only went in for a couple of days, didn't we? And we went in to do a single yeah. and came out with a lot more than we went, you know, that we thought we would. Mm. And it just sort of captured that. Yeah, Obviously, yeah. not enough to do an album. No. So it just kind of captured them few days. Yeah, yeah. There was no sort of t- taking it anywhere else or re-recording or no. anything. It's just what we recorded in them days. So there's the, here's the question for you then, Stephen. If if the idea was to go in and do a single, yeah, which two songs off Slates were supposed to be the single? Ah. Well, definitely won't fit and working again because that was made up in the studio, wasn't it? That was made up in the studio, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think. Did we have all the love of the Slates? The Slates was never going to be a single, was it? You couldn't have that as a single. The song. We had that. We had that before we went in, though. We did. Yeah. That was written. Yeah. Uh, Middle must we Leave the capital. I mean, that could have been a single, couldn't it? I suppose that's one of the poppier things. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I suppose it was that, maybe. Mm. Well, the reason I always mm. say it's an album is it's it's quite sh- it's quite short for an album, but it's yeah. definitely miles too long for a single, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. I think a lot of people that. Uh, Insist on it being an album. Do so because it it's a significant piece of work, and they yeah. want they want it to have that status. You know, and, yeah, definitely. Well, the reason I always say it's an album is because that means I played on more fall albums than <laughs> if it was a single. <laughs> that's that's the bottom line. <laughs> At the end of the day, I can say I played on five albums instead of four or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's quite a run of albums as well yeah yeah, yeah. It is. yeah, yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. I, I, th- I think yeah. for me it's one of the one of the greatest full records and w- one of my favorite records ever so it's a great I, I, I really like the production on that without mm. being too wonky about it but I think that's the, really the, the balance between sort of uh, noise and music is, is perfect I think yeah I, I agree it is yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, um, just just on Kay Carroll because you you mentioned her then, and yeah. uh, you, you've told some stories about her, and you know she could be pretty fierce but quite protective of the group and and you and so on on different occasions. Oh. And yeah. how, how much do you think the full survival over those you know the first five six years owed to her? And, and how effective she was as a manager. I think what the, the thing that came, the fall could have turned into a normal group in a lot of ways. I think when you had Mark, Martin, Tony, Carl, mm. Luna, that could have been like a, a group of five individuals who were, who were more or less equals and, they could have they could have become a fairly mainstream group. They're certainly good enough to become a fairly mainstream group. I think, but whether it was all K, whether it was all Mark, once K got on board, it, it, it evolved into this kind of band that was was completely different to any other band. I think. I think that's what, a lot of that had to do with her. I think. What well, the influence on Mark? What in terms of sound or the way things should be done? Or? No, no, not well. It, it, the, the big thing on in sound was when they started getting people like. Me and Steve, and yeah. we, were, we were not um, rubbish, but we weren't. Uh, you know, we weren't. Um, certainly, you wouldn't call us slick. We were kind of self-taught, self-sort yeah. of, and we learned. Grew up. Well, I'd grown up listening to the Fall. So, but um, but no, I don't, not necessarily sound, but just the sort of ethos of the band. I think. Yeah. Was that okay? Or some of it was. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Steve. 
Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, a lot, a lot of, I suppose, a lot of the kind of principles for it went out the window, didn't they, later on? But and whether they're, and whether they're right, and whether that was right or wrong, or you know, it, that, I don't know. I, mean, it, it, I, I, it didn't, I don't think it mattered so much because it was kind of set in no. people's minds what kind of band the fall were. So even yeah. when the fall stopped yeah. being or stopped playing that kind of game and played a different, it, it was still always that there, wasn't it, with the fall? Mm, yeah. Yeah. But I don't know, you're setting yourself up for these principles. That, for what, though? For what? I don't know. I don't know. That whole, there was that whole, and it wasn't just the fall. Yeah. The whole sort of no. straitjacket of not selling out was, I mean, it, it did get quite restrictive, I think. Mm. You know, that, oh, you can't do mm. that, sell it out. And I think, that, you know, I think there was a big kickback against that with New Romantics. I think they sort of said, well, bollocks to this, we're going to sell out. We don't, we're not. Mm. We're going to wear selling out as a badge of honour. We, we, you know, we've had enough of uh, black and white and raincoats and everything else. We want to go yeah. and kind of celebrate life a bit, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, I'm, in, I'm interested in the kind of, uh, kind of, um, I don't know how best to describe it. The kind of un, untutored musicality of, of uh, when you were all. That's, in, well, that's a very diplomatic way of putting it, though. Yeah, well, it's, it's, I don't want to be insulting. You know, I mean, it, you you weren't kind of musicians. It was certainly true in my case, untutored musicality. You know, I hadn't done. What surprised me is that I've come to learn, like you know, over the years, and, and and reading and reading about other bands, and there's a lot of bands like that, isn't there? Right. Yeah. Yeah. We were, you know, not anymore. But you, but back then, you kind of think, well, God, we were the only ones. But then you read books about other bands and the way they approach it is just as chaotic and just as kind of making it up as they go along. And yeah, it, it makes a really interesting music, doesn't it? I think he, uh, I think that Will Sargent book re- that I read recently, they, you know, they were like that. The Bunny Men, really, they were. Yeah. Les Patterson was was sort of you know learning to play the bass as he was doing the gigs. And mm. it, do, do you think it kind of means that, there's, that there is only you that can sound like that because you're, you're not kind of reaching for the standard ways of playing? I think there's definitely a bit of that. I think, yeah, yeah. So not, not so much with the drumming because you know, yeah. the thing about it, if it's going to be a you know a rock or you know rock and roll, you there's a certain style of drumming that you have to do. But yeah. I think certainly Craig's guitar was informed a lot by the fact that he he could only play like Craig. Mm. Yeah, yeah. it's never going to be a pale imitation of anybody else because mm. he, you know he could only play like himself. If that makes sense, yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think those albums kind of, particularly for me anyway, grotesque through you know the next three four albums that you were on, Paul, and and it, they they do have a kind of a sound that's unique to them. No one else sounded like it like that at all. And then then of course you get Brixim, who's playing a more traditional lead guitar sound, and it changes again, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I I, I was interested in. Um, how how much that changed for you? Whether whether the way you wrote music changed much over time as you learned more, or uh, or did it not really? Uh, a little bit, not a great uh, deal. Obviously, uh, the more you do, you start off writing a song, and you, and you come uh, as, as like we said about the man who's head expanded. Mm. You just write a riff and present it to the band, and, and but the, yeah, you start thinking about other songs and middle eight, bringing middle eights into it if you want, and uh, yeah, trying to make it more of a complete song. Yeah, yeah. But, which is interesting. Which is what we've kind of not done with um, House of All is they're not songs really. The more that kind of soundscape that. No. Because we did, we've really. never, I've never done that. Any band that was in after the fall, it was always songs, really. Like we were in Tom's band, they were all songs, and the Extricate were all songs, really. Yeah, none of that yeah. sort of here's a riff, let's play it for 15 minutes and see where it goes. <laughs> I mean, I think ideally you want to be able to do both, don't you, most of the time, but um, yeah, yeah. But it's been great to do actually because, as I say, we've not done it for years that kind of build it up and see where it goes takes us and you know but it's been it was really interesting to do that house of all album that way because we went in the studio i mean literally with nothing 
sent anybody any riffs or sent anybody any songs or we know we didn't rehearse or obviously Martin had a few ideas didn't he of the way he wanted it to go yeah well, uh, they were only ideas weren't they they weren't yeah yeah mm. yeah they were Whoa. Steve you mentioned um, the man whose head expanded there w- was that a comic book character no I don't think it was ah okay <laughs> there's a hint of it in your book I think but uh, when when you weren't you're not getting mixed up with plastic man <laughs> No, he's definitely man who's had expanded. No, he might have been might have been a Twilight Zone or something. Was it? I don't know. He, yeah. he may, Mark may have got it from the Twilight Zone, or yeah, yeah. It, it, it was. It, it's somewhere in your book, I think, about um, a comic book or something. But um, yeah, all right. Yeah. You have to read it, Steve. <laughs> It's very good. You should read it. <laughs> <laughs> I have read it. I don't think it's <laughs> maybe. Maybe we researched it at the time, and it was. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's all gone now. All gone like tears in the rain. Yeah. You can't remember anymore. Yeah, a lot's happened in eight years, you know. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. exactly. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> What, what, one of the things that one of the things that I've found doing trivia research, and one of the things that your podcast proves is is how frail memories are. Isn't it? It's yeah. simple, isn't it? It is. It's, it's yeah. scary. Yeah. No, no. I th- I think that the, these last couple of years have sort of done things to people's memories anyway. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think to, just that that sitting around for two years and nothing to sort of. <laughs> Link memories too, and as, as affected people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can see how people go absolutely bonkers in prison, can't you? You know, if it's the same thing yeah. every day. I mean, I mean, yeah. it's only a shadow of that, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. every day is the same as the last one. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, moving well. on. <laughs> <laughs> Happier times again. Um, Nat yeah. West, Paul, your picture was used in Viz in 1984 based on yeah, that photograph yeah. um, of everyone um, trying to look as yeah. posh as possible. Um, yeah. and, and years later, Mark told the Melody Maker that he'd said that you should sue them and that you've yeah. got 100 T-shirts and a lifetime subscription to Viz. Yeah. Um, he, he did, by the way, describe you as the brother, brother of a bloke who used to be in the band. Charming, <laughs> Is, is any of that remotely true, other than the brother of the bloke who used to be in the band? But. Uh, no, well, I never never sued them. I never held any thought of suing them, funnily enough. But I did get a free subscription. It didn't last a lifetime. I've not got any more. Let's put it that way. I, oh, okay. I, got, I got two T-shirts, which is slightly less, slightly less than 100. <laughs> right. There we go. Man. Oh man! I, I was delighted. I was delighted. Why would I sue them? I was, I was made up. Still, yeah, yeah. really. But uh, that always got me about Mark, though. It's like what? the drummer said this, and yeah. the brother. Like, you don't remember the guy's name. <laughs> <laughs> he must have had a reason to kind of have a go at you at the time, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Because there, there were other times. He, he, I mean, it, he did say that you, you, uh, you and Paul were the, you know, the one going to be the greatest rhythm section. You know, so yeah, yeah. It wasn't always. Funnily enough, there was a time where we were going to be. And there was t- there was never a time where we were though, was there? <laughs> <laughs> I said that these two were the greatest rhythm section of all time. That was never happening. Grosse Chapelle. Why, why is it pronounced Grosse Chapelle than the yeah. British Grenadiers pairing? You never, it's Chapel, isn't it? But, it, but everyone it's pronounces chapel, it yeah. Chapelle. Grosse Chapelle. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't know that. Yeah. Chapel. Yeah. No, it seems to be, unless I'm just getting the accents, but um, whenever I've heard Bricks mention it, it's Chapelle. And in the song, I think it's Chapelle as well. <laughs> Um, I, I should have yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I just, why? <laughs> why? Why not? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Disparate cog cog senti. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. Compilation. I, I was going to ask you what what you all felt about that, and uh, was was it. It was it thought to be a really good idea? That a lot of people on it are people you would know, I guess. You've got Andrew Berry's on there, and John the Postman yeah. on there, and you've got Saffron Pryor's granddad on there, and all that. 
Mm. And Phil, Phil, Phil Johnson, Phil from Oh, from Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It's, it's kind of they're, they're all people who seem, or mainly people that seem to be known to the to the group and that. Did you have any that suit? I was one of the directors of Sinister, believe it or not. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you who isn't on it, who, who sent in a tape and um, was roundly turned down. A band called Shout Bamalam, they, we sent them a tape and uh, we said not that uh, we were to- told in no uncertain terms it we weren't oh. suitable. Wow. You know, we did he didn't want to make it ne- nepotistic. <laughs> oh, no, no, not at all. No, no. Girlfriend's granddad, that's fine, but, uh... <laughs> you know, they can only take that so far. Uh, no, I don't know. It's one of, another one of Mark's short-lived ideas to, yeah. to, to have a label. Yeah, yeah. And that was, yeah, that's what he had around at the time. Mm. And then again, comment, but... mm. God, I wonder if there's any of them albums out there. We have hundreds of them, didn't we? Yeah. Yes. In the... yeah. <laughs> uh, moving on, uh, Drago's Guilt, does it have anything to do yeah. with the band Victor Drago? Yes. Yeah. Aha. Uh-huh. Steve Davis. Yeah, again. See, Davis was the drummer in Victor Drago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know what the lyric's about. I don't think the actual lyric is to do with them. I don't think so. I mean, I might be wrong, but I mean, Victor Drago, was he in 2008 AD or one of them, I think? Uh, tornado. Tornado. Tornado, right? Maybe it's pre-2008 possibly. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the, the protagonist of the song, I don't know whether that's one of the band. I don't think so. Mm. so just borrow the name. Yeah. Definitely got it from them. Yeah. All yeah, right. Yeah. But but no lyrical connection, maybe then. Well, I don't know. Is the short answer that about any lyric? Is no. we we were no more privy to what the songs were about than anybody. I mean, occasionally you got a little glimmers, but not. It's, it was certainly what's this song about, Mark? That never happened ever. Yeah. God no, you could not ask that. No. <laughs> Your business, and if, and if, that was none of our business. No, do I tell you how to play baseball? You do, yeah. yeah but, but. <laughs> 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 Lucifer over Lancashire. Whose mm. voice is it at the beginning? If it's not Craig's, oh family? God, man! Do you know, it's not Craig. It's not Craig, is it? Wow. Because cause it's used again, isn't it, on Symbol of Mordgan, which is him, but it, it, it's, there's another right. snippet at the end of that. So I think everybody's assumed it's Craig because it's included at the end of that. But but you, you I think, have said that it wasn't him. But so, yeah. But maybe, maybe, maybe it's just somebody at random on the radio then. But um. you, must, you were there, Steve. You must remember. It's the monster. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. I don't. I, but I don't think I could. No, it did come up, didn't it, on something? It was flowing around there recently, and I had a listen, and I don't think it's Craig. Yeah, it was on Twitter. I think you re- you said it wasn't. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. yeah a, it remains a mystery, then. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And. Um, uh, Bombast, which you said uh, I think is based on a Dolly, Dolly Parton tune. What? Yes. Is it out of order for me to guess which one? Depends if you can remember. I can't. Yeah, I can't tell. I don't. I had an album. Oh, my my wife at the time had an album. Yeah. That she kept playing, and it had that one. It's ah. a really good baseline. What do you think it is, Dan? Well, it sounds a bit like a song called "I Can't Be True," but okay, write <laughs> that down. I can't be true. Maybe. I'll, tell you what, I'll, I'll have a listen and give you my considered opinion. Yeah. <laughs> well, you should know, Steve. Oh, you listen to it. But it was 30 years ago. I know, but if you listen to I Can't Be True, oh, if I listen to it, yeah, yeah, yeah. the same process as it did when you ripped yeah. it off last time, surely. <laughs> um, man, you know when there's that Fall Friday? Yeah. And people 
I've, I think I've said this to you when people say that people put guest informant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I always want to put a link to Giddy Up a Ding Dong by Alex <laughs> oh, Harvey. Yeah. All right, so that's it. Wow. It's pretty similar. <laughs> it's the same song. <laughs> but, you know, I don't think anyone's ever ever flagged it up. But, you know, I'm always tempted. But... Well, you heard you it here first, people. That's that's well, the, I never do. That's a scoop. Yeah. That is. Yeah. Yeah. Have, have a listen to both of them. That's yeah. yeah. It'll cheer you up. I think you mentioned this before. I watched the, the video of them playing. Yeah. That is fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, it's a mad dance. Yeah. Yeah. Such a great song. Yeah. 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 What a front man he was, Alex Harvey. Fantastic. Yeah. 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 So look that one up. There's no. There's no one around who can sue, is there? <laughs> Dead, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you got to make this your last question, Dan. We're running out of time. Well, yeah, I was just interested. To what degree would you write the music with the need for lyrics and vocals on uh, in mind, or would you just write or compose the music, put it together in the way that you were happy with, and and, he, and Mark would have to fit it on? Totally that, yeah. Totally that. Occasion, well, you know, we did try every every approach. He'd sometimes come up with an idea and and a riff or what or a drum beat or whatever. Mm. But if we were doing something from scratch, we just presented it to him, and if he liked it, he'd work with it. Yeah, yeah. And it didn't. A lot of them bits of music, weren't they? They weren't like, yeah. This is where the vocal yeah. goes, or and this will be the chorus. So no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, I think some of the later bands um, kind of wrote deliberately, thinking this is how he's going to get his vocals in on over the top. I think, but. I mean, I think later on there was a bit of jiggly pokery one where his vocals got moved about a bit as well. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think so. No, we never did that. No. Yeah. I mean, there was a there was a few. I think they got it got less frequent. I mean, early on, like like Joe Bond and the Air Rifle, that was this has to be this long. There's this much verse. There's this much chorus. And you know, there's, there's like that was properly set like a proper song and there's a few like that but yeah. I think as it got later on it was just two bits of music I mean if the stuff like um, where he's got two bits you know he's got a chorus and a verse for want of a better word and the song's got two bits but they, they don't flow in the same way so he'll sing some of sometimes he'll sing the chorus over the verse bit and sometimes he'll sing the verse over the chorus bit it's just like because he liked that didn't he he liked the things not to be uh, neat and tidy hmm yeah, yeah. And speaking of not being neat and tidy, I think we've just run out of time. Um, oh, wow. This podcast is never neat and tidy, but that I think that's pretty good. I mean, any idea that it was going to be a quiz was never was always going to be an on star, wasn't it? With uh, uh, it, it, w- it wouldn't have. Um, it, w- it would just be a succession of don't knows. I think. Yeah, yeah. So that was really that was really interesting. That. Oh, that was like, thank, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's proved that we don't know any more than each other, doesn't it, Paul? Yeah, I think that's honest even there. Yeah, we both know fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas, Dan. Thanks Merry so much Christmas. for joining us. Yeah. I hope you have a good one. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks for asking me. Don't fall asleep in front of the king's speech, will you? <laughs> we will. Hopefully, we will meet up sometime. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks very much. Thanks for joining us for this special Christmas edition of Old Brother. The next episode will be released on the 6th of January. So don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at Old Brother Show, where you can find links to our Spotify playlist. Or why not subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher or RSS, so you'll be all set for the rest of Series 3. You can also give us a rating on iTunes, subscribe on YouTube, or just tell your friends if you fancy it too. For further reading, our books about the fall, the big midweek and have a bleeding guess, are available from Root Publishers and all good bookstores, but to be honest, you've probably just unwrapped them. Merry Christmas to all who celebrate. Hope to speak to you all again soon. And remember, if you're driving, take your sleigh. Ta-da! Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 